Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. What is happening, all you woodsy type folks out there? It is a blustery spring day here in Northeast Texas. I'm not the whitetail weatherman, though, but I still have the weather report from time to time. <laughs> Tyler and I are sitting here looking at green grass and not flowers all blooming in springtime, and we are not catching bass. My dad and granddad are out catching crappie right now. <clears throat> My dad's like, he texted me, he said, do you want to go crappie fishing? It's like, that's not the right question, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want to go to Alaska? It's not the right question either. No. no. <laughs> but that is the question. The answer is yes. Uh, today on the show, we have got... Tyler Friel, who's an outdoor writer, and he's got a, another podcast called uh, Tundra Talk, and um, he's an, an Alaska native, uh, does a ton of the Alaska life stuff, man. Like, he's not a Native American, though. No, he's not a Native American. It's I don't know really what the right, uh, you know, uh, denotation of that is. It, you know, I, I guess, well, he is an Alaska native because he's from, what do you say, Idaho or something like that, right, originally? Oh, Southern Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. Anyways, we'll let, him, we'll let him tell you about that, but uh, he might be on Life Below Zero one of these days. He's that cool, so uh, be ready for <laughs> for that interview. But, uh, he does some cool stuff, man. And uh, we had all, or I had started a thing, uh, Moose in 2020, I think, was mm-hmm. something I used to say. That didn't happen. And now it's 2021, so mm-hmm. um, that didn't happen. Life happens instead, but one of these days, I'm probably going to end up up there doing a little hunting, uh, or fishing at least. I can tell you, I don't know, man. It seems like an expensive deal, and I I don't have any uh, disposable money right now. Oh, no. And I don't know, like, I, I just don't know if I ever will. What if you just sold your truck one day and just, like, went? I did that last year, and I went hunting <laughs> that's for right, deer that's true. instead. That's true. Um, 
But uh, <clears throat> I think the fishing might be a little bit easier to make yeah, happen. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, or, you know, go, well, we asked Tyler a little bit about that in the interview about what, you know, what's actually practical and whatnot. But um, around here, what's practical to do right now is fish, uh, maybe uh, dream about hunting turkeys that might one day return to the landscape, especially if Tyler keeps burning. Mm-hmm. Um, and work on your gear and talk about gear and do all kinds of gear stuff. We've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. We, uh, been testing out a lot of new stuff, kind of tweaking some of our setups and stuff like that. And, um, we actually just released a saddle comparison video. We did a lot of saddle hunting this past year, killed a lot of deer out of saddles. Uh, we used tethered last year and they were great. Um, we also have a cruiser and a, trophy line to test out in this newest video so if you haven't watched that we'd really appreciate it if you go check it out let us know your thoughts let us know if you have a preference of those three or if there's something else to look at too um i know that uh they all were good products and uh you know pretty much anything that's going to be mainstream like that it's not you're not going to have just completely junk because it's <clears throat> it's um like you can have junk boots but you yeah. can't have well, your like, life's on the line in a yeah, saddle. So. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Like you, you have to at least survive, right? But I'll tell you, there was a uh, you know there was a difference, and that's what we're kind of looking for. Is like we're testing saddles out because we want to figure out like what's the best option for us going forward. If we're going to be in these things a lot, and we're going to hunt, you know, ninety five percent or more out of these saddles, like we want we want something that is comfortable and. Very practical, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. Uh, I know you. I can speak for you on this too. Comfortable, comfortable is uh, is nice, but practical is probably more important to probably both of us than than uh, just being comfortable. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, if you wanted to be comfortable, we'd hunt out of box blinds with rifles. Yeah, but, uh, I probably wouldn't hunt if I wanted to be comfortable. <laughs> That's right. you know I mean? Yeah, it's not really no, a thing that goes hand in hand. <laughs> no, uh, at least not on a uh, extended basis. You know, mm-hmm. like if you wanted to hunt like a weekend or two a year then you could probably stay comfortable. But more often than not, people who are listening to this show are probably a little bit more in the vein of, you know, a little more serious about it. I mean... They're uncomforts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, um, and, and, you know, by all means, if you're just uh, a kind of person who likes to go hunt a weekend or two a year, but you think that our accents are funny, that's fine, too. You know, (laughs) keep listening. But, like, to want to listen to a podcast about hunting, you have to be a little bit more on the vein of, like, uh, let me figure out how to really do this thing, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why, I mean, really, that's why we started podcasting as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, you can find people to talk to that really know something about some stuff. So um, that's why we thought it would be a good idea to talk to Tyler mm-hmm. um, Friel and Tyler Jones, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tyler Friel, because uh, the dude lives in Alaska, he uh, Alaska's in the news as of late, it's always in the news because it's just, for a lot of people, it seems like a little bit out of reach. It seems wild. And it's seeming like that for me right now. Also a, um, what do they call it, like a pop word or whatever, you know, when people say Alaska or like, hot, it's political. Yeah, 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 exactly. Pebble Mine, mm. all this stuff, Anwar. I didn't even know Pebble Mine was in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like all that country basically from Canada north just it's like is it northwest territories? Is it Canada? Is it some weird lake like dude where my mallard was banded from 10 I years ago? I will guarantee or? you no one has ever walked the whole border of Alaska in NWT. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a big big I line. Know. So I know. no one really knows for sure that that mountain is there. That well, there ain't no the reason to walk NWT because you can just fly <laughs> helicopters right. to the top of the mountain and shoot <laughs> that's right. sheep. That's right. That's right. And, uh, 
it's you're probably getting some really, really some uh, interesting stuff there where you fly to the top of the mountain from the NWT, but then go across and hunt Alaska mm. doll sheep. Give but you flew ideas. the NWT. Man. <laughs> I would I like be happy to be dropped off on top of a mountain to shoot a sheep, I think. <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty <laughs> good know? at this point in time. It's like you one know? of those deals where like, when you first start hunting deer, like, you're happy to be in a box blind and shoot one under you know, a feeder with a rifle. Mm-hmm. And you know, after you shoot 30 or 40 of them, you might not be the same way. You yeah. might. You might. But I'm definitely not the guy who's like, I want the true experience. I'm going to bring my recurve out there and mm-hmm. chase them around. You know, it's like, no. Well, I some wanna... guys hunt with flints, though. I know. Tyler not flint locks, but no. flint, flint broadheads. Dude, he shot up a grizzly bear with a flint broadhead, and it's all on film. Mm. Killed it. Dead. Film. Meaning cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah, he does some cool stuff. And I don't know, it kind of seems like um, there's a couple factors coming into that. One, for about three months out of the year, you just have to sit and think a lot because that's about all there is yeah. to do. Uh, but two, like uh, when you live in extreme places, you come up, you have a little ingenuity about you usually, or you learn to, to come up with new things and different ways of making stuff happen. And I mean... Golly, uh, at the same time, when you have as many different seasons for different animals that they do, like, you're going to be a guy who tinkers and ponders and thinks about stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, let's uh, let's get Tyler on the on the phone here and uh, just hear all about hunting Alaska. Holla. All right, today on the show, we have got Tyler Friel. He uh, hosts the Tundra Talk podcast and is an outdoor rider as well, and he is living it up in Alaska right now. Tyler, how's it going, man? Oh, not too bad. I'm just uh, looking out my window at uh, about three feet of snow and Ooh. got a plow. <laughs> so I got. I it's, I've been plowing a lot of snow lately, mm. but uh, oh. yeah, we're 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 getting towards springtime, but win, winter's still here for now. Golly, <laughs> man, it's like we're bordering on summer. We have got green grass, <laughs> yellow flowers. Three feet of grass. <laughs> Do you know what an Indian paintbrush is? Because I'm looking at one of those right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, and it's seventy-seven. So I'm sure you never get tired of hearing about you know people from the south telling you how warm it is here. But uh, <laughs> no, well, that that's okay. I mean, I you and seventy-seven's pushing it for me, man. That's 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 my overheat. The last I don't know if it's the last time I was in Texas. I got a good buddy that lives in Fort Worth, and uh, last time I was there, we went bow fishing all night. And then, or during the day, I was passed out in on the floor of his garage with a camel back on, you know, overheating because mm-hmm. I don't know how hot it was, but it was too hot, too <laughs> yeah. hot for this boy. Yeah, dude, no lie, I, I I'm with you honestly, but I've learned to deal with just like you've learned to deal with the you know drastically negative temperatures and stuff. I'm sure my mom was actually born in Anchorage and she lived there for a little while, so I got a little bit of a. I guess the thick blood coming from her side, but not a lot because I still get freezing cold whenever it's below 32. So <laughs> it is what it is. So is it uh, is it daylight there right now? You know, everybody thinks about Alaska as being you know land of darkness or whatever. Yeah, it's it's daylight here now, and I think like I said, we got uh, I think we got more daylight than you guys now. Um, I don't know what we're up to. We're well over 12 hours now of daylight. Oh wow! And uh, gaining like eight eight nine minutes a day now. Yeah. That's cool. So y'all probably go straight from snow to just straight up growing season with that much daylight, I imagine, right? Yeah, pretty much. As soon as, uh, it, you know, and it's been the past few days hanging around just below freezing and 
here sometime in the next three weeks or so it's going to kick over and all the snow will melt quick and it'll be muddy for a couple weeks and stuff will start greening up so yeah it's it's real quick um that's cool man we wanted to get you on and talk a little bit about you know just i don't know everybody from from really the lower 48 i would imagine dreams about alaska and i'm sure you're used to this kind of a a conversation but it's something that's that's cool for a lot of us where we think about like all the wild and all the adventure and just all the stuff that there is to hunt and but you know life up there is pretty intriguing to me do you look forward to you know this time of year where like you know green up's about to happen and and uh you know maybe if you got fishing on your mind and you're finally getting out of the out of the house or do you really look forward to that you know late summer early fall season where you know it's time to shoot stuff man i think i i kind of look forward to every season um and you know i'm i probably wouldn't i don't know i'd like to say i would never get tired of fall because you know obviously the fall hunt seasons are my favorite but Mm -hmm. Um, every season's got, got plenty of stuff to do, you know, even going into winter, if you're, you know, I haven't been trapping the past couple of years, but if you're trapping or ice fishing, I've been doing a lot of ice fishing this year, um, uh, with my kids, um, you know, riding, riding, we call them snow machines. Everybody else calls them snowmobiles, um, riding, fishing or ice fishing trapping, uh, that kind of stuff. And then this time of year, you know, it's, it's, it's funner to get outside. We still got some fishing to do, but, uh, you know, starting to look forward to spring bear hunting and running the running river boats and stuff like that. And then, you know, once once you're in summer, you're starting to think about fall and look forward to that. And it's just a big, vicious, vicious, nasty cycle. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any reason to leave Alaska? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's such a different culture, man. I mean, obviously, just the activities that na- Mother Nature gives us here in Texas are much different, you know, like you kind of yeah. alluded to earlier. But, like, uh, so, like, there's so many things that you're talking about right now that I have never done that are, I, I kind of know what they are, you know what I mean? But, like, only through, you know, reading and and uh, seeing some videos and stuff like that. And, like, it's so exciting. It's something that I would love to do. Uh, but it seems like such a far, far place. It's a land far away. You know what I mean? It's like such a hard thing to get, to get to do, especially if you have family or whatever and, and trying to, you know, buy five, $600 plane tickets for four people. And it just seems, but, but man, like it just seems like such a cool place, man. You've always got something to do there except for, I guess, I guess the, the, uh, period where you're kind of like cabin fever would be like the dead of winter obviously right yep yeah Yeah, that uh that like uh, january february time frame before it really starts you know and we and we still have you know four or five hours of light here during during the day but uh but by that time it starts wearing on you you know and, and just the lack of light and if it's been super cold you haven't been out much i mean the key to the key to thriving and it's just staying busy and having stuff to look forward to and 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 keep yourself busy but uh yeah yeah no it's 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 almost like living on a different planet sort of (laughs) yeah i mean it's crazy also to think about this but like our our cabin fever period is like august you know it's like y'all are probably you know salmon fishing getting ready to kill moose and stuff like that and we're over here like just dog days man like if you're not inside most of the day you know you're gonna you stand a chance of heat exhaustion and all this stuff, you know, so it's just like kind of get inside and you just 
get bored, you know? So where, where from where up here you run, you know, when it's 40 below, you're running from heat to heat there. You're running from AC to AC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to I guarantee you, man. You know, sweat the, on the way to the truck. <laughs> the, yeah. The uh, little push button ignition thing on, on the truck or whatever on your keys, you know, but man. it's for air conditioning there. Right? Oh yeah. It's a game changer, man. How'd you end up in Alaska? Oh, well, we, uh, I moved up here with my family when I was 16. My dad, my dad, uh, was born in here and grew up mostly here. And then, uh, I was born in Southern Colorado and, and grew up there mostly. And, uh, yeah, my dad always wanted to move back and we had the opportunity. And when I was a teenager and never really looked back, man, it was, uh, it became home pretty quick. Yeah. I would imagine. It just seems like, uh, so much opportunity if you have that outdoor vein in you you know that that's what you and you want to do that kind of stuff it's just hard to beat do you uh um like what what do you do for a living up there well the past couple of years i do a ver- i have a variety of pedals. i figured it would be that way you know like well it, with things being so drastically different summer and winter like you can't do the same thing 12 months of the year you know yeah it, and it kind of depends i mean i i uh out of high school, I, I went, went to college and got an engineering degree that I don't use, but I right out of high school, my dad was an uh, uh, insulation contractor, insulate um, mechanical systems and, you know, heat piping and ventilation, stuff like that, mm-hmm. like industrial stuff. And and we've got a lot of, you know, a couple of big military bases here and, and some, some industrial construction. So uh, I kind of I was in that, tr- you know, came up in that trade out of high school when I was in college and just kept doing it. And then the past, I started writing for Outdoor Life magazine right when I got out of college about 10 years ago and just did it on the side. And uh, just the last few years, I've kind of been able to call that my full time, my full time gig, which, you know, it's, uh, you know, m- my wife, bless her heart, you know, she she works hard too and they just with with her working and me doing this it gives us some flexibility and uh and uh i'm on dad i'm on dad duty when she works and then i can do my stuff in the off time and started podcasting a little bit and you know every every little bit helps and i've done everything though you know for skin and skin and wolves in the winter during trapping season for guys and stuff like that uh yeah you just sometimes you get creative to do to do the things you want to do yeah absolutely cool, man that's kind of how we live too you know uh tyler and i both are, are on dad duty quite a bit and uh you know have wives that are uh in the education system and stuff so you just kind of fill in and, and do whatever it takes to kind of i don't know pursue your passion of being a bum really is what we, <laughs> what we <laughs> yeah, do no, you know? i was I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh, we're 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 in the open with it. We're not closet about that at all. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so in that, uh, you know, if you do any of that military contract and stuff or whatever, this is kind of a side note. But I have a great aunt that works. Um, I don't. know, They call it the Rock. It's out there in the Aleutians, and uh, it's like almost to Russia. And it's there's a there's a base out there or uh, something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, there was, you know, there was ADAC, but I know we were just actually talking about, because I've started recently working part-time for my dad, like bidding some of this work Mm -hmm. and do, you know, trying to get some of these jobs. And we were just the other day talking about, it starts with an S, I think. I can't remember that. Yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, it's way, it's like farther from Fairbanks than Seattle is. Um, That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, she's, she's like out there. It's uh the island's like one mile by two mile or something like that, yep. and uh, she's there's like, it's her and like three other people 
and a bunch of fox, and that's what's on the island. And that's, you know, she's got her place there, I think, uh, near Fairbanks or somewhere that, you know, it's kind of like her homestead, but she's only there like three months of the year pretty much. The rest of the time she's out Man. there doing supplies and stuff. That's uh, pretty rugged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a she's a tough gal. I'll put it that way for sure. So it's a, but that's what it takes up there, man. But you know, you yeah. got um, you know, the spring season coming up. You're talking about shooting bears. Is that like that's? I know it's one of your big things, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a bear thing. I you know like it's kind of like the turkey hunt. Kind of like the turkey hunting is a lot of a lot of places down in the states. I mean that's what. Yeah, that's that's the spring thing to do, man. I can't get enough of it. So, uh, we'll just dive in as opposed to leading up. Uh, why on earth do you want to shoot a grizzly with a stick bow with a flint point? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, it worked, right? I well, I you know, and I'm I'm one of those. I'm the type of guy where I'll I'll just I don't know. I'll get something in my head and then I can't leave it alone till I take care of it sort of thing. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had, uh, I was, I had helped a buddy of mine from a couple of buddies of mine from down in the States, um, on a moose hunt. I had hauled him in and dropped him off and then was, was hauling him out. You know, they did a full float trip and I was able to get in there with my four wheeler and, and haul him out. But, uh, one of them is a, uh, is a, was a world renowned, like, you know, basically PhD level type of flint napper, and it hunted with with stone points a bunch, killed a bunch of elk with them, and oh, we were talking, and I don't know how it came up, but uh, I had said something. Oh, I'd like to kill a black bear with one of those someday, and then that led to why not a grizzly? And I said, I don't know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd already I'd already killed several of them with my with my recurve before so you know kind of looking for a little way to spice it up something cool and Mm -hmm. and i you know was curiously curious to see what they would do and so that's kind of that's what kicked the ball off it wasn't anything super significant but you know once i kind of once the idea stuck i i you know was pretty committed to following through yeah you know grizz are kind of like one of the i don't know what you'd call them you know like american big five or whatever it's like just the epitome of uh getting it done as an outdoorsman right like it's just the trophy animal people think about all the time um but i've always kind of wondered you know because it's legally you don't have to eat grizzly meat right so like no what's the um um and i'm by no means on the side of you shouldn't shoot them i'm so far the other way right but i kind of want to understand the mindset of like shooting a grizz knowing you're not going to eat not not going to eat the animal you know what i mean yeah no that that's a fair question and it um and I don't know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it for, I mean, the area I like to hunt them, um, they're real hard on moose calves and well, not caribou calves there, but other places, those bears, especially if you can be selective and shoot like a bit, shoot mature boars, um, it's, it ends up being beneficial to the bear population because they're not killing as many cubs and, and, you know, there's more, you know, for me, maybe that, maybe that's uh, selfish myself. Cause I want better moose hunting there too. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's just a management tool and there, you know, there's, they're plenty plentiful. And I don't really think, I think that sometimes the way we look at, at what we're considering waste and what's not is a little arbitrary. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff, like the stuff don't, depending on how you look at it, it's not going to waste in nature. Yeah. Um, 
if that makes sense, you mm-hmm. know, other bears eat the stuff or, you know, something, something consumes it. Yeah. The nitrogen so, goes to the spruce trees. I mean, you know, down to the, you know, the atomic level, it's all going to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, somewhat, you know, everybody's got to make up their own mind. If they don't feel right doing something, they shouldn't do it. But, uh, I know that's kind of more the way I look at it is mm-hmm. it, it ends up, you know, you, you, if you don't shoot and I've tried, I tried a cut two or three different, different of the grizzlies I've killed and I couldn't eat any of them. They were, it was bad. Mm. Um, so, you know, not to say there can't be a good one, but I, I really enjoy black bear meat, but I think those grizzlies are just a lot more volatile in what they eat. They eat a lot more rotten stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just every one I've skinned just smelled, the meat just smells awful. It's, it was, a. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's not like, you know, like a, a, a moose or, a, you know, imagine a deer, you know, you know, you get a nice doe or something. You cook, you know, the meat just smells good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not how how that grizzly bear meat works. But they got, you know, they if we want to have, you know, balanced, um, you know, and populations and a lot of ungulates, you know, then you kind of got to. You got to watch out, manage the bears too, you know, and I, th- I think species like that do good when they're hunted, you know, that keeps them scared of people. Ooh, yeah. Um, That's the problem you have in the lower 48 right now. They just, they don't care, you know? Yeah. You know, bears like, you know, and a lot, a lot of the bears where, where I hunt them specifically, you know, they know what people are and there's a lot of grizzlies in there, but you know, people's cabins don't get broke into, you know, they know how to avoid people and they don't want nothing to do with you. And that's, you know, from generations of being, generations of being hunted, you know, and I've, that's kind of maybe cherry picking, cherry picking certain things, but, um, no, they're just a, uh, I find them to be a really fun and challenging animal to hunt. And, you know, it has some side benefits too. So, yeah. What's the most challenging thing about hunting a grizzly? I think it's just the the timing and where I where I hunt them or have been hunting them is on bait in really thickly wooded and brushy areas. You know, you couldn't. I think it's actually from the hunts I've done on the coast for brown bears and you know in areas where you could glass and see a lot of country and can get around. I think it's a lot of times time wise, it's easier to spot and stalk them. Sounds um, safer too. <laughs> yeah, you know where they're at. Yeah, I don't, no, that's uh, not always the case, but um, but where you know where I'm at, it's just impossible. But there's yeah. a lot of bears and there's a lot of big bears, so you know they're so I hunt them on bait, and the 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 two trickiest things are the timing. You know, they don't um, all a grizzly bear will use in my experience will usually come in. And they'll find a bait and they may come in another night and then they're gone. They're leaving. Um, you won't see them again just because at least in that area, the, the nature, they're on the move, hunting moose calves and stuff in the spring. Uh, they're pretty nomadic. So you kind of got to get your timing right. And they're extremely spooky. Um, you know, any bear I've ever had catch my wind, they're gone and you never see them again. So hmm. it's one of those things, you know, not ever having done much whitetail hunting at all. I would kind of compare it to that, you know, except they, except they have a much larger home range. You know, if they, if you spook them, you're not going to ever see them again. Well, so, hold on um, a second, because <laughs> we're, we're comparing it to whitetail hunting. I was thinking about this earlier when you're talking about bait, like bait's kind of like, it's like, seems like to me, like a very acceptable means of killing bears and, and 
up there, yeah. you know, whatever. And like nobody's nobody's really dissing on it, but like in the whitetail culture, which is one we live in, there's some people hating on bait right now, and it's mostly from states that don't allow it. And it's just like it's basically it's just like a a plug um, of. Uh, you know, just self pride, I guess. You know, like we can hunt them without bait. We're better than you, kind of thing. Yeah, congratulations. That's what it feels like, at yeah. least. So I was like, yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, this is a this is kind of a weird deal. That kind of a weird world we live in right now. But um, yeah, no, it is. And I think you know, I've looked at that, and I think what it boils down to is people people tend to knock stuff they've never tried, and they don't try understanding the context mm-hmm. of what you're doing. You know like bear baiting, you know, even with black bears, black bears are typically, you know, I would say a little easier and easier to, to hunt with baits uh, than, than the grizzly bears I'm hunting, but it's still, it's not as simple as you go put food out in the woods and then you got bears all over it. It's much more, a much more nuanced, I guess, to, you know, if, if you want to call it that issue and same thing with, you know, it's easy to, easy to say, you know, oh, well, this guy's, you know, baiting whitetails with corn or but i don't really know the context of the situation you know because I've, I've had a guy you know guys explain to me some of those spots down there man if you, if that's not what you're doing you're just not gonna have much luck yeah um yeah and that's that's the way it is up here you know it's in not everywhere but in a lot of areas you know if you're if you're not using bait for bears you're kind of pissing up a rope you know you're not mm-hmm you're just not if if you do get a chance at a bear you can't be selective you know yeah. you're just you may get a chance at a bear and who knows what that chance is going to look like or what that bear is going to be but uh you know you know i i i've got no as you can tell i've got no qualms about using bait in, in <laughs> we don't either <laughs> no sir in certain circumstances yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works man are you using uh cameras too is that kind of how you're patterning bears and determining you know what's a shooter and stuff like that yeah all the and all you know for a couple of years and especially the the grizzly with the grizzlies timing is everything so you know you kind of I've found to be consistently successful. I've got to, you know, have a camera on there so I can see what's going on and when I, uh, they, they, a couple of years ago made the cellular cameras illegal up here, Ooh. which I, I used them for a couple of years and, and it wasn't a matter. It, it helped me with the grizzlies. It helped save me gas is what it did. Cause I don't have to go check my baits as often. Mm-hmm. You know, I could just kind of, cause grizzlies, especially it's just a waiting game. You got to wait, 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 wait. And then if you want a chance of killing them, you got to hunt the night after they first find the bait or usually they're gone. Um, they just <laughs> don't stick around. So I could, you know, it just saved me gas and time. I can, I'm still killing bears, but, um, now I just use, I buy like whatever cheap trail camera I can get off Amazon and, and, uh, cause it's probably getting, most of them get chewed on. It seems like at one point or another, <laughs> I've had bears destroy so many trail cameras. It's not even funny. Yeah. Well, if you live in Alaska, that kind of stinks because they're not legal. But in states that they are, okay, cell cameras, cell phone cameras as I like to call them. Cellular phone cameras. Cellular phone cameras. (laughs) Cellular telephone cameras have really changed a lot of the way that a lot of hunters hunt. Um, We've used them some. uh, We like them. But I feel like there's a specific niche. And I think that in this situation where Tyler's talking about if they were legal, man, 
what a great way to not get eaten by a bear. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, Moultrie is actually coming out with a new cell camera. It'll be out this May, maybe even late April. You can use it for turkey hunting this year. Uh, pattern them gobs, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, it's called the Delta. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's going to yeah. have a really good resolution. And what's one of the things I really, really like about them, okay, is that they store all of your photos and videos on a cloud. Therefore, you've got an SD card, like most cameras. I can't even get Apple to do that. I know. you got to pay for it and do it. And they're like, well, it's actually full. It's like, it's a cloud. You can't even fill it up. But you have an SD card. You can delete stuff or whatever off the card from your phone, from your cell phone. Mm-hmm. But they can store your pictures that you've always had, that, like, However many you get. And we get lots of big bucks. Lots so, of big bucks. I mean, we're going to need, uh, need a lot of storage here in Texas. Lots of shadows. Depends on who has the camera. If OH8s is in there, maybe yeah. a few big bucks, but there's going to be some shadows. There's going to be some yeah. shadows. But there anyways, may even be a full SD card when he hangs it. Y'all go check out Motri Mobile and uh, see all of their lineups for their trail cameras. Man, speaking of gas, um, we, we want to let you have the opportunity to speak to what's going on at the ANWR and what your thoughts are on all that. Oh yeah, I, well I don't think much is much at all is going to be going on now with the current the current administration. They pretty much um, stymied it. But mm-hmm. I think you know, it, and we were rant, you know drunk ranting about it on my podcast too. Um, that whole issue, I think, just the sad part of it is it gets so over propaganda propaganda, and I'm sure you know being from texas you know or anywhere that has oil and gas oil and gas industry you know you you understand how a lot of times the facts get manipulated there's been several you know like the the clothing company sitka gear made a big post with all these photos and talked about saving our last wilderness none of them photos were even from the proposed drilling area (laughs) (laughs) dead gummit you know the only the only the only one that could have could have been was a picture of a musk ox and that was probably taken right off the side of the road on the dalton highway the highway the the only road up there which was put up there and is maintained by um through the oil industry like that and and that that is that road opened up millions of, a, of acres of access sure you know that's yeah. all public ground and yeah i think it's the 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 corridor five miles on either side of the road is i think it's the largest bow hunting only area in the world Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that the Anwar, you, you know, and you get guys like you know Meat Eater wrote something and got their di- their you know token quote from Ranella about <laughs> ruining our ruining our last our last you know great wilderness Ooh, in Alaska go, when you know when it's. Yeah, it's just they everybody they treat this like it's a foregone conclusion when it's it's just it's propaganda is what it is. People don't really understand the area, what's going on. And that area wasn't even originally supposed to be part of Anwar. It was just locked in at the last minute and still was set aside for potential oil development. And uh they're in the back of my truck, son. <laughs> Sorry, no <laughs> but they uh, I was on a pretty good rant there, but they uh, you know, it was an area set of, still set aside for potential oil development and it had already been completely seismic surveyed once. But and these guys are I'm really getting fired up. I'm trying to find keep it going. The, yeah, keep it going with, it, man. To go with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they they don't even 
you know, they just say things like, oh, well, they think it's going to interfere with the caribou herd. They're, they're not looking at the fishing game studies mm-hmm. of the central Arctic herd, which exploded. Um, they went from like at the beginning of oil development and it was a big, it was a big concern then what the caribou would do with that oil development. Cause they calve right there too. Um, and it's immediately adjacent to this drilling area. I mean, they got drill pads all the way up to the edge of it, basically that you can see on Google earth. But, um, that caribou herd went from like 5,000 animals when they first started punching wells up to like over a hundred thousand and then the recent years, it's declined. I mean, it was beyond carrying capacity, and it's gone yeah. down to it's it's about thirty some thousand now, which is right where they want it. Oh, I'm sure somebody's he, uh, know, misusing that stat too. Like, oh, the herd's down, you know, seventy percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. well, that's why, and that's why, that's why I looked. You know, I, I wrote an article kind of on the subject from Outdoor Life, and that's why I looked into the actual like fishing game surveys and they, you know, why they think they, they, they think the decline was due to a bunch of these, you know, it's, they were overpopulated and a bunch of these cows got old and died and a big chunk of them mixed with another herd and left with them. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe it was the porcupine because it's the porcupine herd they're concerned about and all these caribou, there's not like a big fence. Yeah. You know, there's not like one of the big fences. You, you, there's not like one of the big Texas fences <laughs> down there um, that yeah. keeps, you know, they, they intermingle and move back and forth. And they're, you know, they're like, oh, well, this, this, this tiny little area is there, is their calving grounds. Well, the data shows that they calve all over the place, all the way from Canada out to the central. It, it's just, it's a lot of misleading information. None of these, you know, these major companies and outfits you know they just regurgitate the propaganda oh yeah they don't they don't take the time and you know like it and from you know from a uh there was a some ecological society that they're i'm I'm sure they're on the on the more quote-unquote progressive side of things (laughs) you know they even said (laughs) they even came that study basically came to the conclusion that the most impactful part of the whole oil process would be the surveying and that they still, you know, and that it, the only concerns were really boiled down to is if it wasn't done by according to the regulations that are already in place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it was some. It, it, it wasn't what it wasn't what most people portray it to be. You know, they think that this in the issues that are real concerns aren't what is is said because that's not what popular what's popular people just want to mm-hmm. you know they want to hear that the polar bears are are going to be in danger they're running out of ice like man yeah, they're man. all float they're floating around on tiny pieces of ice yeah. if you if yeah. you look at social media yeah you know, and i guess and sorry oh, i'm sorry i i just i i gotta keep going keep my momentum going. Sure. the last thing that i it, um you know and a lot of these individuals and companies they'll be like you know i you know They'll reference that the that a certain native group is against it because they're worried about the caribou. <laughs> okay, but yeah. But they but they but they ignore but and the ones they're referencing do do not even live in Anwar. But I okay, I can be I could I can understand them being concerned maybe for the welfare of the caribou that that do move through there and they kind of depend on them. But they don't mention that the uh, that the one community that's in the middle of an or that is in Anwar, that's basically surrounded by that drilling area, wants them wants the oil development. And they've even applied for, you know, there was some article I seen where they they're irritated because all Biden said he was gonna, 
consult with the native groups before making decisions and whatnot. They didn't hear nothing from him. It's because he fell down the stairs and he couldn't make it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But they, you know, they found out that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service basically was doing things to undercut their because that that local um, village basically those folks were trying to apply for exploration permits to do it themselves Mm. or go through that you know and uh the the fish and wildlife service which is in control of that land um basically just did stuff to undercut their permitting process so they couldn't get their permits turned in on time or something along those lines there's just there's a bunch of shady stuff that goes on and yeah. it's it's not what it's not what people hear about down in the states so well it's the and, same thing like what what you hear about on the news about uh border and a wall sound may sound outrageous to actually build a wall at the border but if you don't live in texas or arizona or new mexico you know and deal with it you may uh be very you know it's 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 the same concept here right it's like if you yep. want to know about anwar um ask an alaskan maybe a little bit you know like maybe maybe let's not talk um or ask somebody from washington dc let's ask somebody from alaska same deal if you want to know about the border and what's actually going on maybe ask somebody from texas that lives down here you know oh yeah no i can i can empathize man <laughs> yeah it's it's and that's kind of our you know the kind of we get the that that end of the stick a lot of times being far away it's just whoever has the most the loudest voice you know that that's the information that most people end up hearing mm-hmm. well people have forgotten that we are a republic and not a democracy and that's part of the issue yep. we're supposed to solve our own issues in our own states but yep. uh, that's not what's really allowed too often so <laughs> no <laughs> no that's the truth yeah man um so <clears throat> it sounds like um you might be a little frustrated with one of the major players in the outdoor industry uh, over <laughs> uh, some certain articles and whatnot <laughs> Uh, so to stick with that vein, just a touch, um, you know, you work for outdoor life and, and outdoor life, I can't remember who wrote it, but someone came out with a rebuttal article to another media article that was about, um, you know, the case to be a anti new hunter. Did you, do you, yeah. did you see that? Do you, did you read it or anything? Oh yeah. No, no, I, I, yeah, I, I read those and, uh, and I thought that I had, recently talked with my editor because it was four of the outdoor life editors um each you know contributed mm-hmm. their parts to that you know as a rebuttal to that yeah, and it was well just, done it's yeah i thought so too you know it's it's just this it's an elitist attitude and that i mean that's the regarding who we're talking about i mean it just that's the issue i tend to have and with the and you know statements they made about anwar you know it's just super snobby. You know, I think he said, uh, and, or the quote he gave for the, the meat eater, which it was kind of pretending to be a, you know, an objective, all just, this is what's happening with Anwar, you know, go sign up for BHA type of stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, uh, you know, his quote from there, bait essentially said, you know, that if you, if you support drilling or if you don't, if you don't oppose you know, any oil development in Anwar, you're just a greedy asshole, you know, basically saying that that's what us Alaskans are, you know, when mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's a little bit more than just, just one thing, you know, we have to consider. And I'm not even make, wouldn't make the argument to anybody that, you know, we absolutely have to drill it now, or it's just the pr- kind of the principle of thing of the thing, you know, like there's a lot of people up here and regular folks that, 
you know, in one, even if you're not directly tied into oil and gas, like oil and gas pays for a lot. I mean, basically all the state government stuff um, and a lot of industry up here supported by it. And, you know, if regular people want the chance to come up here and experience it, you know, they got to get a job. They got to be able to, to support themselves and their families. And uh, that's, you know, the only path for most people, you know, I guess it's easy to easy to say, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't touch my private playground when you're a millionaire sitting in Bozeman and can fly, you know, can and do fly all your buddies up here to exploit our resources for profit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. I hope it makes sense why I, you know, hope it sounds reasonable that, that, you know, myself and a lot of other people are a little miffed at that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, not quite as much, uh, but still, uh, said individuals were down in Texas shooting axes and making profit off of it, you know, and it's just like, no, why don't y'all let the Texas people be the Texas people? You know, they feel <laughs> yeah, the same way, yeah. you know? It's, yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's not that I, I would want to exclude anybody from being able to come, you know, to go do that or do this, but it's when you start, you know, it's just kind of an elitist type, you know, kind of a, a snobby type thing yeah, and a Bozeman type that, thing, right? <laughs> that seems to, that seems to, uh, you know, per, you know, I don't know, perforate or that's not, mm-hmm. I just need to stop trying to be fancy with words, but, uh, <laughs> it's something that kind of permeates. That's what I was looking yeah, yeah, for. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that, not, not all, but a lot of that type of stuff. I mean, it just, yeah, it's not, it's not something that I'm much of a fan of. I know. And I can tell that by, um, we get a real big kick every year uh, because you kill a doll sheep. I think every year, <laughs> and you're you are the only member that I know of the less than fifteen club or something like that. <laughs> you know, like, I really like that joke, man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was. Uh, sometimes I'll go to to great lengths just to be a smart ass. <laughs> like, like yeah, the top one of year, just, it was like I think it was a I think it was a couple years after they did. Which the like that less than one club thing was a genius move for Sheep Foundation to like, you know, boost their membership. And I'm, I mean, that's a whole, you know, Sheep, Wild Sheep Foundation is a whole other issue for me. But uh, I, you know, everyone's doing the T-shirt thing, and that's fine. I don't, I, I could care less. But I, I just thought it would be funny that year, so I made, I made a less than eleven club shirt and took it i didn't tell my hunt partner i took it or he he would like make me burn it because i was jinxing the hunt or something but <laughs> i was like i as I'm, I'm a little i'm i'm not superstitious but i'm a little stitious and <laughs> i'm not superstitious enough to not do it but i was i was quiet about it you until, didn't wear it before you I, shot the animal yeah <laughs> yeah I, I didn't tell him nothing till afterwards <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome so you you also you don't like you know if i if when i think of a sheep hunter what a, what a lot of people don't realize, especially if they haven't been to a show of some sort, is um, these sheep hunters look giant and like they're they're like monarchs of men, you know, on social media. And then you see them and they're like 127 pounds. You don't yeah. look like a guy that weighs 127 pounds. No, I've uh, yeah, no, to add add 100 pounds to that. <laughs> yeah, you're solid. You know, like you, you don't know. look like a guy that would be getting up and and down, uh, you know, above timberline and and. Uh, so like, what's the, what's the secret, man? Obviously, I mean, is, I mean, there's just, I guess there's a toughness factor, right? But like, you know, do you do any working out or anything like that? 
Oh, uh, I, you believe it or not, I used to be in really good shape back in the college days. And, you know, then I, you know, had kids and mm-hmm. got busy and, uh, you know, I, I haven't really done a heck of a lot of, of working out. I actually, this winter been dieting a little, doing a little, little not eating, yep. um, just cause I was going, especially with the whole COVID thing going into winter, I was like, man, I got to turn this thing around. And so I'm feeling better. It's good to be healthy and, yep. but you don't have to be crazy. You know, you don't, you know, so, so much of that stuff's just mental and perseverance. Yeah. It's physical discomfort too, but you know, you just go with the pace you can and you know, you realize it's not, you're not having to like run a marathon against Cameron Haynes if, or you don't get your sheep <laughs> type of deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so it's just, you know, you got, you want to be in good enough condition and know how to not get yourself hurt. I think if you're a little less experienced being in better shape, will help because it, you know, it, it helps you deal with the, the hardship a little better. And especially you don't, you don't know how hard it's going to be or, or, you know, just how miserable it's going to be, then it can be kind of demoralizing. I mean, it's still demoralizing. Sometimes you just know that it's going to suck and you're just going to keep throwing your feet in front of another, in front of each other until you, you get there. Yeah. How many days a year do you average before you shoot a legal ram? Uh, not too many really um i would say most of the time and it's hard because it includes you know usually a solid day or two days of like walking and you know whether it's you ride your four-wheeler ways and then pack in you know all that's usually you know a day or two days Mm -hmm. and then of actual hunting over the years yeah probably you know maybe three days of hunting of of hard hunting sometimes more you know some couple of them i've killed you know right at the right at the 10 day or or 14 day mark but um overall you know it's it's uh it's been pretty good to me yeah that's cool. i don't know it'd be, it'd be tough to keep up with it if everyone took took 10 days <laughs> yeah i would imagine man do you usually but try you to never know you, you got to plan for weather and sometimes you get you get stuck in the tent for a couple days mm-hmm. you know do you try to um, locate like a band of rams before season opens and be ready to to go as soon as that happens if i'm hunting the if i'm hunting the opener that's general generally what i do um and yeah i think last year last year killed one on the opener the year before i had well i spent like an idiot spent about 12 days chasing one around with my recurve before I finally did before we <laughs> rifle banged him. But, um, but then, uh, yeah, you no, know, a lot of them, yeah, it's, it's, if I'm hunting open or usually, you know, it's not, a lot of them might've been killed on opening day. Um, but, and I used to have that because my first one was my second one was, I think my th- third no maybe my third one wasn't but it was like a barrier i'm like oh man i don't know what i'm gonna once you get past opening day how yeah. am i gonna get it done what but, does that look like <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah man is that the thing that you you know i don't know as far as the hunts go and stuff is that the thing that you really really enjoy is the sheep stuff yeah yeah i do um I and mean, that's definitely what i've kind of kind of prioritized base i mean my entire adult life was always was always sheep hunting but i i mean i everything is kind of has its own special attraction to me you know the bear i love bear baiting and just sitting in the woods at night and and hunting bears that way i love you know sheep when you hunting, say at night moose hunting what do you mean um 
because it's Alaska, it's like, you know, evening hours, or do you mean like it's dark nighttime and you're hunting bears? No, it's it's just Alaska because once we get once we get into late May, early June, it doesn't get dark anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, black bears usually like the prime times between, you know, ten thirty and midnight is kind of their witching hour where we end up killing most of them. Um, grizzly bears can really be at any time. Like they're, they're so much more random. Um, they're not, they just don't pattern, you know, they may come in once a night for two nights, then leave, or they may come you know, they may spend hours going in and out of there in a, in the same two day period and leave, you know? So what, if you, you get on there and there's been a grizzly bear on it, you know, you just got to be prepared to sit all night and, I've done that a few times and one time, you know, yeah, last year I sat all night, finally gave up, went in, rebated and was standing in my boat, putting my rain gear on because it was pretty cold for the ride back. Um, you know, I had like a three hour ride back and, uh, hear, hear a bear run off through the woods. Had been walking down the, walking down the river, going to go in, go into the bait, you know, after I had already pulled the plug and so he was, he was gone. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, no, it, yeah, it's it's sitting all night, and, and it, it does get pretty dark, kind of dims down to a twilight, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning for a while. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's a long-winded answer to that <laughs> no, question. That's cool. I mean, of course, being from, you know, Texas, I'm a little grizzly scared. and It's kind of a joke and kind of a fun thing, you know. But for real, you know, like, it, I'm sure it's a different feeling being somewhere where something can definitely just, you know, kill you anytime it wants to, you know, and being in the tree yeah. trying to try to hunt that thing. So that's uh, that's always curious to me. I don't know, one of these days I'll, I, uh, I kind of want to go hunt grizzly country and do that thing just to, you know, to see what it's all about but i kind of have to psych myself up for it a little bit yeah it's uh it's it can be a little unnerving some of them things like going into especially this uh, the per, one particular bait i have that i i have killed some grizzlies off of it's it, i always get a little nervous going in there because you can't see very well it's all real thick timber and brush and you just never know where one's going to be laying down or mm or on the bait when you get there sometimes, Mm-mm. you know, it's just, it's a little <laughs> nerve wracking, you know, you always, even if I'm hunting with my bow, I mean, it's stupid to go in there without a big rifle. So, yeah. um, I always go kind of prepared to deal with those situations. I used to actually sit on the ground in a ground blind. Um, and I just quit trying to hunt grizzlies like that. Cause every time I could never get a shot off, they would always see, you know, they'd always see me in charge or usually they charge and then run off. <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So they can climb trees, but I, uh, I, you know, it's just, you can see a better. It's in, it's easier to stay undetected for longer in a tree stand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they, they won't, once they figure out you're there, they're gone. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then track, you know, tracking them. I end up hunting by myself a lot of times, so track blood trail. because <laughs> no one else wants to go with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes my schedule is I just got to go when I can go. And, and it's if I, not that I don't like taking people with me, but, uh, or, you know, buddies coming along. But, yeah. Um, I just go do it. And, yeah, like I had one blood trail one last year. I shot with a, a my COVID project was a, was one of them, them, kentucky rifle kits oh cool yeah and so i shot a couple black bears with it kind of take it for a test run and then uh, i end up shooting a big grizzly bear with it and, um 
shot him right and then you know i, I gave him i i was sure i hit him good but you know I, i'm the type of guy i'll start second guessing mm-hmm, stuff it's easier and i i try to film all these you know shots and with a bow you know i can go back and really really um pick through what happened and and figure out what kind of shape i'm in you know as far as as far as shot placement but uh not quite the same with that that old smoke wagon and I was sure, you know, everything felt good, no hang fire, just, you know, my sight picture was good. And, but I, and I, and he ran, I heard him run off a ways and then stop. And usually they're dead right where the last place you heard them. So, but I gave it, gave it an hour and go in. I find myself blood trailing him at like the darkest part of the night. And so mm. I'm kind of straining. And I finally found, I found where, uh, and I didn't expect that as I shot him with a round ball, I didn't, didn't expect it to exit, but I, he, he was bleed, you know, spraying blood or rubbing blood off his side where the wound was. And so once I got dialed into what level to look for blood, you know, and I you know, took it slow and then you start worrying if, I don't know if you've ever done a blood trail where you're going real slow and you're like, ah, I should have found him by now. Should have, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, All time. you feel like, you feel like you're going forever. And then, <laughs> yeah, especially in the then, dark, you know, <laughs> yeah. And then you look up and there he's laying there, but then, you know, turn around and walk back to the boat and he didn't go very far at all. It just felt mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. But, That's uh, uh, you know, I can't, I can hardly like when I actually find the deer, like the moment my eyes, see the deer in the dark i kind of like almost jump out of my skin i couldn't imagine when it, <laughs> if it was a grizzly yeah <laughs> i don't know why it's like yeah. they're just like when you see all of a sudden you see that patch of fur you're like oh yeah there it yeah, is like something, <laughs> something big is right there yeah. yeah yeah no when this one it was uh you know i was looking at that and then all of a sudden you know there was an alder that was busted over like he'd just run right through it or something and then kind of looked up and just seen the hair and Watch him for a minute before I made my approach. But <laughs> yeah. That rapidly turns into what the hell am I going to do with this thing? <laughs> yeah, I guess you. What do you do? You 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 uh, you skin it whole and then you uh, take the skull with you, and that's kind of what you do in a grizz. Yeah, take the you know skin it skin it on the spot if I can't drag him, and he was too big to drag. Um, so skin him and and take the skull off and uh, get back get back to the boat black bears and black bears most of the time i can i take one of little kids like snow sled and uh i tied some rope on there and i can i can just drag drag most of those bears out of the woods on a sled i'd rather deal with them and butcher them at home you know with for black bears Mm -hmm. um but sometimes you don't have a choice (laughs) yeah 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 that makes sense what's the tastiest thing that you uh partake in up there in alaska i'd say definitely sheep yeah, really. Sheep's, sheep, yeah, sheep's delicious. Man. Over I mean, even, fish or anything, right? Just sheep is the thing. Yeah, no, and I, I like fish too, you know. But we're we're kind of in Fairbanks. We're kind of right in the middle of the state, and we get some fishing opportunities. But you know, not a lot of good like fresh ocean, ocean salmon unless you travel. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely sheep. I mean, I love moose meat, man. That's a staple for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the black bears too. I, I make a lot of smoked sausages out of them and stuff like that. Um, they're great for that. But uh, yeah, plenty of good stuff. Caribou, you know, most most of the time caribou is pretty good. I've had a couple stanky ones there, but uh, but yeah, no, we sheep. got plenty plenty to choose from. Yeah. So what's the uh, what's the what do you do with sheep? Is it do you treat it a lot like you would you know one of the 
de- uh, deer species or something like that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll grind all my scrap, but mostly it's like, it's steaks, you know, I make mm-hmm. as many steaks as I can out of it. Cause it's a real, you wouldn't think, you know, you wouldn't think that it would be, but it's a real, uh, a tender, like super fine grained meat and it's a little greasy. It's not like marbled, but it's a little greasier than a lot of other meats. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, it's phenomenal steak, like, mm. you know, especially backstraps, you do backstrap steaks, you can cut them with a fork. Ooh. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that sounds and, good. And, uh, there's just not a lot of bad cuts on a sheep. It's all it's all really good meat. Huh. That sounds cool, man. Might have to do that someday. Yeah, it's nuts that it's like, <laughs> and that's a big old you know what nine year old Billy, right? That you're always eating. So it's uh kind of crazy. Yeah. No, oh. for such an old you know you're a lot of time. Yeah, you're shooting you know eight, nine, ten year old animals, and they're uh, and they're surprisingly tender for how old of a cre- how many yeah. years they've been running around the mountains. And they just eat lichens and rocks, pretty much. So, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. it makes <laughs> <Yeah>. it delicious food. <laughs> hey, we talked earlier in the intro about the video we did that was a comparison video with the saddles. Uh, we are excited to actually announce that we are working formally with Cruiser Saddles. And I'm also excited to announce that uh, if you couldn't tell and you watched that video... Um, there's a moment where I put the saddle on the cruiser saddle and like, there's a, you can tell like, it's a genuine, like, Ooh, this is, uh, Ooh, this is different. It's kind of pull your shoulders back and <laughs> you're like, this is comfortable. And that's what we'd heard from, uh, you know, when we did the saddle videos going, uh, going into the postseason this year, we heard from several different people in the comment section about how cruiser was the way to go. Apparently it is, uh, Chad, the owner, we really like, uh, um, he, he lines up really well with our values and, uh, it's just a good dude. They're trying hard to put out a great product and I think they're succeeding at it right now. So we're excited to be using cruiser saddles. We're going to be pig hunting out of them this year or this spring. And then, uh, we're going to go right into the season using them. Yeah. I would imagine if all things go well, that, uh, Chad's going to be in a, a state with us in the fall doing hey, a little hunting. We're going to be on. doing a little saddling and out-of-state hunts. Chadwick. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm super stoked to uh, to hunt out of a, a cruiser this year. And uh, hopefully it won't be too comfortable and I'll fall asleep, but it'll be just right. You Are you going to hunt a uh, grizzly out of a saddle? Mm, I'm going to hunt. I'm going to need a diaper, that's for sure. <laughs> 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 <I hunt grizzlies. laughs> Yeah. Well, so for people that like are aspiring, you know, thinking about Alaska, and I know that since you're a native there, um, that it might, maybe is a different approach for you, but like you also probably can give some really good advice about like how to uh, go about that. You know, I guess, first of all, if I want to go hunt in Alaska, how far out do I need to be planning to try to head up there? Yeah, I depending on what you're wanting to do, and especially if you if you if it's the first first hunt you're doing, you know, it's not it wouldn't be crazy to start planning out a couple years ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually, if you're going to go on like you know have an air charter, you know, drop you off somewhere on a fly out hunt, you usually want to have that stuff lined up and booked. Um, It kind of depends on the air service. Most of them you know a little less than a year i don't know if it, of anybody that's booking out more than a year in advance but you know if it's like you know september october november you ought to be thinking about the following fall because a lot of those some of those air, air services will open up their bookings in 
in uh, like October or so for the following fall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can pretty, if you wait till springtime, you're probably going to have a hard time finding a spot. But uh, it's, I mean, there's a couple air services that just get so booked up that they have a waiting list that you just get on and they've got, you know, they give first dibs to their, their return clients. And if they don't book, then the next, the first person in line gets dibs, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are the guys but, you want to uh, go with because they're still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are other guys, the other guys hadn't been flying long enough to get into a wreck. Yeah, no, and that's, yeah, I mean, it can be an issue, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of good air charters out there. It's, it's expensive, getting more expensive by the year, you know, this, it's Mm -hmm. a, you know, business that just gets through insurance and regulations, you know, gets, has just gotten exponentially expensive. I mean, we used to, we used to fly up to the Brooks range to hunt sheep, um, and it would cost us, I think the last time I did it in 2014, it cost us about 20 200 bucks a person you know and that's two guys to a plane so basically 4400 or whatever it was a plane mm. and you know i thought yeah it was expensive but it was still reasonable you know if you kind of budget for it throughout the year but now it's like i think it want to say it's like four thousand bucks a person Golly, you man. know which you know back to the yeah back to the whole low hashtag public land stuff you know it's just there's a lot of factors that end up regulating people out of being able to access the country. So it's kind of sad, mm-hmm. but, uh, no, I would, but air services, there's some good ones out there and there's, uh, and there definitely could be a really good way to go and for a real fun experience yeah. to kind of get the whole, get the whole pie. But I would, I would start talking to those guys well in advance, um, you know, a couple of years out from when you want to do a hunt you know, is, is a good time to start, to start scheming and saving and asking questions and stuff like that. Do you think that, um, you know, doing the whole flying trip and, you know, trying to kill a moose or, you know, do something real cool like that is the way to go or, uh, can Alaska be experienced, you know, flying into Anchorage sort of DIY shooting, you know, sick of blacktails, bears and caribou or something like that. Is that kind of more attainable for somebody? Um, it's, I think it's attainable, but it's more difficult for sure. Um, on average, you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest thing up here is typically logistics and getting to good hunting and fighting, finding good hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just so big and everything's so remote and inaccessible that, and, uh, we don't have the game density that a lot of places have, you know, when I first moved up here and I think a lot of people, have the idea that there's just critters behind every tree and rock and bush up here. And it's just not the case. Um, there's, there's just a lot of trees and rocks and bushes, right? So. There's a lot of trees and rocks and yeah. bushes. For sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can, you can do research and find opportunities that are, you know, road accessible and you can still have a great time. Um, it's just going to be more difficult for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like, uh, if you're going to tell somebody, you know, like, hey, this is what you should go do in Alaska when you come on a hunt. Like, what what's that look like? Man, I think for a lot of people, something like, a, a you know, a fly-out caribou hunt would be a good, a good one, you know, because you can get some kind of remote wilderness, you know, self-sustainability type of camping type of hunt. Um and you can, you know, a lot of time, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of caribou herds that are doing pretty, pretty well up here right now. And, 
you know, numbers wise, you know, that's going to be the resource that's most easily accessible. And I mean, they're a super cool animal and not terribly difficult to hunt, you know, if you, if you get into them. Um, but you know, the combination of, of, uh, you know, the, just the volume of opportunity and, and variety of places you could choose to go, you know, something like that would probably be a really good first trip aside from that you know something like sitka blacktails on kodiak um kodiak or there you know there's places in southeast and stuff like that that have them but um kodiak has some pretty good good charter services you know they can drop you off in tent camp or there's there's some boat some boat camping uh outfits where you, you can't you camp on you know a big yacht almost and then you can move around and they'll drop you off for the day to hunt and come back and can help you deal with your stuff and there's some lodges around you know there's lodge on a fognac island that i i went to a bunch and 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 worked at guided for a little bit um um yeah so you i mean stuff like that there's really a wide gamut based on your you know for a wide variety of budgets and uh and what you really want to get out of it there's there's some options is a long-winded way to say (laughs) if that makes any sense at all yeah yeah What's the, what's the, you know, like, what do you, what do you got to have when you come up there? Like, what are, I feel like there's a, there's kind of an entry level amount of money to get you up there. Yeah. I mean, you know, most of your, I can't remember what a hunting license is, but depending on what you're hunting, you know, it may cost you 800 or a thousand bucks, you know, for your, your licenses and stuff. Um, and man, it just depends, you know, your, your transportation, it's going to depend on, you know, whether you're, you're chartering and where you're going. Um, if you're going to have what I, yeah, I don't know if I could really give a great ballpark for that, but you know, you could probably come do a pretty good hunt for, you know, two to three grand, maybe some of them. So, you know, as far as stuff, but then the only thing I would, I would for sure mentioned is like, is that there sometimes are some unforeseen expenses you got to account for, you know, you, and you want to plan for maybe depending on where you're going and on extra day, you know, extra day or two on one end or the other in case you get, you know, weather delayed somewhere or, you know, you have to stay in a, you have to stay in a hotel an extra night and, you know, or if you have to buy something to package your meat and, or, you know, buy coolers to bring your meat back home or whatever. Mm. Um, some of that nickel and dime stuff can kind of add up and it's just stuff you want to be aware of ahead of time. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So is that like, in that case, would you suggest, um, like, especially if you're a first timer, like trying to get, uh, get the help of an outfitter to help you, uh, kind of line up, you know, the best, uh, means of travel and all the other little details that may not be familiar to uh lower 48 guys yeah that's not it's certainly not a bad way to go you know and you don't have to go on a full guided hunt you know there's i think there's still some you know you can look at forums and find you know some like there's i think there's some they call them hunt planning services um they're a little you know, it's a little interesting walking the line between guiding and not guiding, but, um, there's, uh, you know, a lot of the chart, the air charter air taxis and stuff like that. Like they, they've been doing it a long time and they kind of know, they know a lot of that common stuff and, you know, 
the frequently asked questions type of stuff that they, you know, they, it, as far as the context that they're working in, they can, you're usually pretty good at answering stuff like that. Yeah. It just seems like to me, like what, if I, like when I think about the, some of the overwhelming parts of like the DIY deal is like, you know, you, uh, there's a lot of like content out there to teach you how to elk hunt. And there's a lot of content out there to teach you how to deer hunt. And, you know, if I'm hunting deer in, you know, Texas, I can take some things that I've learned about deer and deer behavior and go hunt in Illinois and still do pretty decent probably, you know, and, and just adapt to the, to more agriculture or whatever it is. But like, you know, most guys in the lower 48 haven't ever hunted moose and they haven't ever hunted bear or, you know, they might've hunted some black bears, you know, and, and they haven't hunted caribou and they haven't hunted sheep. And so it's like, like all the species up there, it's like a foreign continent almost, you know? And, and it's like, how do you, how do you, uh, as a DIY guy, like, I mean, you can learn some stuff, but how do you know that the place, that place is so big, right? We talked, you talked about it before we got on the podcast. It's like, how do you know that you're going into the right Valley where, you know, uh, moose even exist, you know? And, and how do you know that, uh, like what they're eating and stuff, you know, for me, like I said, I can, I can know that a deer is going to go in and out of a cornfield every night and come out of, you know, a Creek bottom or whatever. So I can, I can kind of put myself in between that situation, but it's a way different deal up there. You know, do you have any tips or thoughts about how to, like, if you really want that DIY experience, you know, like how do you find out good information about uh, how to, how to get on those species, different species? Yeah, it may, it may, and that makes total sense because a lot of, you know, a lot of it is different, you know, like moose, you're, you know, during most of moose season, you're not really targeting feed, you know, you're calling them or just glassing them. And sometimes you don't, you just, you know, even we sometimes don't know, you know, which valley to pick, um, that type of stuff. Um, fishing, um, Alaska fishing game has, they got some pretty good, like basic info on their website and, you know, you can call up the fishing game offices and usually they're pretty helpful with, you know, generic type of information. Um, and I, I guess I don't really have a, a good individual source for like each specific thing um, in mind, but, you know, you just kind of got to try it. Well, part of it, you kind of got to just glean, glean what information you can um, through several different sources and talking to your your charters and you know if you got to reach out reach out to to guys that that have done it um on specific questions to get to get you know kind of a basic game plan um i guess that's a roundabout way of not answering your question at all <laughs> no that's it not every um, not every question has an answer no, it's yeah it's 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 there's not not a real clear-cut answer but you can get some you know you can look around and there's there's a lot of good uh you know, Alaska, Northern type content on YouTube, stuff like that, that, you know, it, that you can glean little bits of information from what, a, you know, eventually you're just going to have to do it and, and get that learning. You know, it's going to be a learning curve at some, at some level um, when it boils down to it, but, you know, yeah, charter services, you know, like they're, generally good you know if you're going to go with a charter service they kind of know the areas and they'll they you know they can get you pointed in the right direction usually as far as how to go about it um you know they they are 
at the when it boils down to it, they're all they are a taxi and that's their job. But most of those guys are pretty pretty helpful too, as far as as tips like that. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it can take just take some legwork and get a bunch of different sources to try and get an idea of, of what's going on and how to go about it because it is definitely different. Yeah, gotcha. Do y'all uh, talk about stuff like that on Tundra Talk? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, between between talking crap and uh, <laughs> and uh, and just you know random, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we try not to do too much politics, but uh, <laughs> ran, just random stuff. You know, we end up telling stories. We end up going over a lot of uh, you know, just end up. I think presenting a, quite a bit of useful information. Mm-hmm. You know, you may you may have to actually listen to a bunch of it to find specifically what you're looking for but um well that's what i start you know, using that that is a good podcast plug you're gonna have to listen to a lot of it <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you know well it's, it's, it's we like to tell the truth that's right man that's yeah. the way it is yeah no. no but it yeah we you know we oh, shoot we talk about every you know basically and that's kind of you know why i i started that podcast was there just i didn't couldn't find anything that i felt really accurately represented you know our perspective as just regular guys who live up here and like to hunt and fish and do the kind of stuff we do um and so you know and there's a lot of people up here that no one would ever hear of otherwise that have a lot of cool stories and Mm -hmm. savvy and experience and uh you know we just yeah we like to get together and talk about the stuff you know you know regardless whether we're recording or not so we might as well be recording it and there's a lot of there's a lot of experience and uh, stuff that gets talked about on there, you know, whether it's, you know, ice fishing for pike or, or bear, you know, bear baiting or sheep hunting or moose hunting or anything like that. You know, that the, there's, I feel like there's, there's enough useful information there to justify listening to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I've, I've dabbled just a little bit, but Alaska's still a little ways off, so I haven't, you know. Forgive me for not doing deep dive into Tundra Talk yet, but one of these days, man, it's gonna be. It's on the radar. I got a, a uncle in, in Anchorage that's got a boat, and he's like, "Man, anytime you make it up, it's like, well, the making nice. it up part's the hard part, you know. Like, yeah, is committing to do it, you know. And uh, like Tyler was saying, it's a you know a good chunk of change because, quite frankly, um, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go to Alaska without my wife, you know, because <laughs> yep. she's yep. gonna be like, well, I want to see that, <laughs> you know, or whatever. So I think you kind of have to work all that out. But uh, it sounds like a pretty pretty cool deal man and you're you're blessed to get to live there for sure i know that uh you know like i said in january it's probably hard to see kind of like for us it's hard to see in july while we live in texas but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah. know it's a uh, it's a cool thing about our outdoorsmen that i found that's kind of uh uh you know widespread it's it, outdoorsmen are the type of people who uh do the best with what they got and are pretty happy with it you know and, yeah that's uh, pretty cool yeah no it's yeah it's uh yeah, definitely, definitely blessed to live up here and and try to remain thankful for it all the time. You know, I mean, there's there's yeah, just so much. If a guy wants it, there's so much opportunity. You know, for all kinds of all kinds of fun fun trouble to get into up here. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, uh, Tyler, we'll link to the uh, the podcast down uh, in the show notes below, and also I'll link to an article or two of yours that because uh, you're a pretty good writer and I appreciate some of the stuff you have to say. So, uh, anyways, oh, thanks, man, man, appreciate what you've had to say today on the show as well, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, thanks for thanks for chit chatting with us and filling us in on everything Alaska, dude. 
Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks for thanks for asking me. It was a good time, and hopefully, I don't get you in too much trouble. So we want to eat sheep. That's that's the drive behind sheep hunting, right? Is how eat. tasty they are. <laughs> eat them. <laughs> <We're gonna> eat. <laughs> I've heard people say that before. That sheep are good eating. I mean, mm. of course, I've had zero experience with that. <laughs> that's but. a pretty interesting microphone you got there. <laughs> <laughs> my wires up around my mic. So uh, yeah, yeah, I've uh, my dad always made fun of the sheep that we used to shoot um, in Texas. Mm, those and, probably aren't tasty. <laughs> he used, I don't know. Like I wasn't old enough, you know. But I do know that we always made sheep or ram chili is what we called it because mm-hmm. uh, that was that was the way to I guess mask the flavor. Oh yeah, people. Let me let you know something. When people love deer meat, they love venison, they're like, oh, I can't wait to have deer chili. That means that <laughs> you don't actually like it. Yeah. That's what that means. It yeah. means you're masking something or what, you know. When you're trying to cut it all into steaks, that's when you know you like it. Not to be elitist, okay, <clears throat> mm-hmm. because we learned from Tyler that that's bad. And <laughs> yeah. I'd agree, right? Yeah. But whenever you do break out of that mold of chicken fried jerky and chili and you go to the next thing, that's when you know that, like, hey, I'm kind of getting into this a little mm. bit. I'll eat this. It's fun. I, I enjoy cooking. That's one thing I've missed over the last couple of years is I haven't had a house in three years. Uh, we did a little bit. I, you know, I did a little bit of cooking there at the shop mm-hmm. that I had for a couple of years. But it's still like our kitchen was literally a makeshift deal on like a wooden bench. Uh, we didn't have like we all everything we had was uh, either crock pot or on a single burner that plugged into the wall. Or I had this like big like. It's like a electric skillet is what it was. It's almost like a griddle, but it's got walls on it, you know. That sounds cool. Yeah, and so like I cooked is a that gumbo the one that in we that. Took to uh Iowa and no, burned the fuse out. That was electric electric <laughs> griddle and yeah, destroyed yeah, our It was 14 uh, degrees that morning and we were trying to cook pancakes on the tailgate or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good idea. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. But um, uh anyway, that's uh something I really enjoy and I'm going to hopefully enjoy again soon when we can get this house yeah. built. Yeah, man, I've been cooking some, but just since we have the uh, kiddo and stuff, it's just all my meals are just utilitarian or whatever you want to call it, where mm-hmm. it's just like I i haven't got to experiment or do anything. It's just been like spaghetti and tacos, yeah. which I love tacos. Don't get me wrong, you know, but uh, I, I am ready to get back into doing a little bit more of the, hmm, let's see about this thing I can't pronounce and see what it tastes <laughs> yeah, like. You yeah, know? it's fun, so, man. I yeah. like it. And hopefully we get to kill some turkeys this year and uh, hope that you can do some more of that kind of stuff with that as well. Yeah. I'm ready to get back. I know I talk about it a lot, but that pozole that mm. you make out of thighs and legs, boy, how eyes, huh? Eyes and legs, eyes and legs. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Mm, I love turkey eyes. You need to eat a turkey eye this year Mm-mm. for sure. I think Hunter should. Mm. Hunter the Hunter. Hunter the Hunter. You know what? You uh, had this saying in the last couple of years that I uh, really like. Okay, it's, it's uh, you say we, when we're talking about we're usually like scheming. Mm-hmm. And we're about to go into an afternoon. We're trying to figure out where to go, if we should go, if we should go look and drive instead. And you always go, Hunter's Hunt. That's right, dude. Hunter's Hunt. <laughs> and so, I mean, we should use that this year, especially with our hunter. We need to tell him to hunt in the mornings. <laughs> hunters, hunters get up. Yeah, hunters get up early and hunt. Hunters know how they to set their alarm day. and get up and hunt. 
Yeah. Uh, anyways, big thanks to Tyler for coming on. Tyler Friel You're and welcome. Tyler Jones <laughs> for coming on the podcast today. We had the two T's today. Mm. TT, if you will. Two T's. Two T's. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the Alaska thing something a little bit different, but it's real cool, you know, if you, and it's something we all like to dream about. You know what I mean? Uh, what are you laughing at? It ain't Alaska. What is it? I can't stop. <laughs> Sorry. TT's. Yeah, it's him. The TT's. Yeah. Yeah, y'all can just start your own podcast. Don't say that too fast. Start your own podcast called the TT Podcast. But don't say it too fast, though. Okay, I won't. I won't. I, I don't ever say things fast, so it shouldn't be a problem for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, guys, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we really, really appreciate that. Really would appreciate that. Like I said, I never say things fast. Um, uh, and uh, go check out what we got going on on YouTube. It, it uh, helps out a lot if you hit the subscribe over there. And uh, the bell for notifications. We never talk about that. Yeah, because man, it's lame. It is lame that you have to do that. But man, like. If yeah. you don't, you're just not going to see our stuff. I get notified often. by a couple of YouTube channels, and I do appreciate it. But I, I, I keep it to the ones that I do care about. So right. please care about us and please. hit the bell for notifications. You know, I mean, if you care to kill deer next year, then you should definitely hit the bell. In fact, if you want to kill deer next year, yeah, like we, Period. we are the you YouTube won't kill deer if you don't watch <laughs> our YouTube channel. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, guys, I hope y'all are looking forward to something right now. Um, <laughs> I kind of have cabin fever a little bit. I've got to fish. A day and a half, and I've I didn't even get my thumbs rough. Really, mm. to tell you the truth, my dad and granddad are out ripping slabs right now. I know this weekend, and uh, man, I probably I might have to build a chicken coop for your wife. So um, that, I think what we have to do is a spawn video with old Dylan again. And now the third is that this weekend? It's on Saturday. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds like a good time to get <laughs> eat some fish. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't watched that video, go check out uh, the. Uh, video we did on pre-spawn crappie uh we used a little bit of live scope action on that mm-hmm. it was pretty cool with uh dylan gossett of redline guide service <laughs> we're gonna go do a little bit of that this weekend as well maybe bring in some slabs of our own who knows mm. uh but i do know that some fish are in my future whether it is now or this summer tyler's already talking about summer fishing trips in the mountains so i'm not mad about that one bit well i mean <laughs> we are about two months from going Man alive. Can't I can't do the uh, we never because of volleyball we never are able to do like the best time of year. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna try to do August first ish type yeah. type. We did that trip. one year and yeah. I didn't really know that much about fly fishing, but I caught one of the coolest rainbows I've ever caught. It was about well, nine inches. Last year we went like right after fourth of July and it was still like a lot of snow. Um but if you go up there knowing, like early June, that that's going to be a thing, you can just fish all the lower stuff and mm-hmm. probably be, be in good shape. But anyways, uh, I hope y'all are looking forward to something. I hope if you, uh, you have an open turkey season that you've got to go out after gobblers, uh, we will be doing that in a few weeks shortly. Really stoked about it and uh, can't wait to eat a bunch of birds this spring mm-hmm. and summer. So uh, with that, we will leave it with you. Remember, guys, this is your element. Live in it. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. 
For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.